This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hi, friends. Hey, welcome to My Favorite Murder. This is a podcast that asks and answers the questions. There's like four questions. You don't need to know what they are right now. Just know that within this next, what will probably be a one hour and Uh a... Three minutes. Oh, I was going to say 32 minutes. No, it's going to be four and a half hours. (laughs) And each hour, we'll answer one question. One question. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot like the Sphinx's riddle. Uh huh. What walks on four legs in the morning, blue, doo, blue, whatever, but more interesting than that. Less ancient. Ancient shit's a fucking snooze fest. <laughs> it is so dull. Yeah. There's no video games back then. <laughs> There's no gossip. Everyone just built pyramids. <clears throat> boring. Um, <laughs> pyramids. Boring. Boring. Until we find out there are spaceships that are going to take us off this hell planet. And right. Or brought us here because we all did something bad <gasps> on a different planet and now we're... This is jail planet? Fuck. Are you kidding me? This fucking burning trash (laughs) heap of a fucking, what did I call it on Instagram earlier? Trash fire atop a rat king. Oh, rat king. That would smell so bad. You know what a rat king is? Yeah. Hey, everyone, if you don't know what a rat king is, Google that shit. Go Google it and look at a photo. Google image that shit. Yeah. And don't. Don't try to be intellectual about it and read about Rat Kings. You just get that picture right in your head. And then use your imagination. Also, find out for us if they're... Go on to Snopes and find out if they're real or fake. It's real. Is it real? There's photos of it. But you know how these days we live in a time where every single thing has now been proven false by BuzzFeed in some way? Not our beautiful, beautiful Rat King. (laughs) That's the only real thing left in this world. The truth... The Rat King will rise up and save us all. That's right. Hurry the fuck up, Rat King. Rat King, my God. Pick one direction to go, please. (laughs) Everyone together. Together? You're facing the wrong direction. Get it together. Okay. We, okay. So we have breaking news. We don't often have breaking news on the show, but this is about as breaking as the news can get for Mm -hmm. us. And it's the insane, incredible, actual survival story of a murderino. That's right. And I mean, it blew me away. I started crying. Of course. It was, it, so you guys, I'm sure you know at this point, and everybody knows. And it's, yeah. you can find it on Twitter. And if you go to Billy Johnson's Twitter or our Twitter, my favorite murder, my fave murder, um, the story is on there of this woman who fucking stayed sexy and she fucking, it's in Cincinnati, right? In Cincinnati. She was so aware of her surroundings. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. not. And she's walking her dog and she's nine months, nine fucking months pregnant. pregnant. And she notices some fucking strangely acting dude and keeps a fucking eye on him. And he fucking comes at her and she 
she fights him off and screams and and she this to me the smartest thing she did was when she knew he was following her there was no mistake she headed toward where there were people yeah she headed toward a pool a public pool and that's when he started chasing her what i love about it too is that she wasn't even sure he was following her yet but she was like i'm not going that way i'm going towards where there's people because like he wasn't even creeping her out yet yeah it was just like head toward people and when he started following her like chasing her she's said i don't know you like stay away from us she also started yelling at him before she was even aware that he was attacking her which i think is another the pepper spray first apologize later it's like right. this person is is making you uncomfortable when you're by yourself and you're a woman and you're you're not liking what's going on you can start fucking screaming it's okay you get to say whatever you want yeah to get that person away from you and also that establishes it's like that thing instead of saying help or whatever people when they say yell fire right i think what she did was so brilliant of going like i don't know you get away from me so that the people that were nearby right could hear that this was not oh could it be boyfriend girlfriend like you know that yeah. thing that keeps people from taking action yeah. they're like i don't want to get involved who knows what those two are doing yeah it's like she declared what was going totally. on and then tried to fight him he punched her and then people were there to pull him off and she took a fucking beating Dude. and we've all seen the pictures it's amazing and she and she the baby's fine she's, she's fine. fine the baby's fine, fine. they the let, dog they ran let home. <laughs> i love that they let and also the dog is fine and it's like you Get bad boy. <laughs> Don't go home. I mean, I, guess I get it. But. The dog. Um, but we're so. It, it, she's she said in the, um, you know, she was interviewed by the news and she gave this podcast credit for what she had in her mind of fighting him off and whatever. I mean, it was a really lovely um, thing that she said that, you know, somehow this podcast has something to do with her survival, which. Even the, just the mere suggestion of that is um, amazing to us. And it's so, it's like, no, you're the yeah. <laughs> reason. And we're fucking like, it is this, this is wild. When I was reading it, I was like, this is surreal that yeah. this little podcast that we just started for fun has become, you know, and, and this happens on a fucking daily basis, but being amazed at what it's become and how many uh, people it's inspired to go back to therapy or to go back to school for forensics or to, you know, to uh, connect with their sisters and stuff like it's just like and meet new friends and do these beautiful people in their community. That's right. And fight fucking assholes off. And uh, it's what it's what you guys are making it uh, with yourselves yeah it's like fine to give us credit of course we love it and want it but <laughs> need it really it's what you're bringing out of yourselves it's what yeah. you're seeing in yourself and then keeping in your own mind there are people who hear it and they don't you know what i mean it's it's what you're doing for yourselves yeah. and i think that's the coolest part of it is like you know that it's bringing something out of you that is uh, that is about you right we are so happy to be part of this community but that's just all we are is part of it and to talk at you for two and a half hours a week. Uh, and so since um, this woman, she didn't want her name mentioned in this, it, the press release that we read. Yeah. And so let's please respect her privacy. Um, but as many people know, and she has posted, she has an Etsy store um, called Spoons and Such. Right. It's so cute. Spoons, Spoons and Such. And I was like, oh, Spoons and Such. but then I looked at it and it's like the most gorgeous homemade jewelry. Not Beautiful. homemade. I'm, that sounds like macaroni on a fucking string. Yeah, no, it's no, not no, no. homemade in that way. It's no, like no. handcrafted. Yes. Gorgeous fucking pieces of jewelry. 
I, it's incredible. Um, friend of the show, Billy Jensen, the true crime reporter, mm-hmm. he sent me the link because he wanted to make sure we knew it existed and then sent a picture of a bookmark that he bought that said, I fell asleep here. And it's a spoon <laughs> that folds over the book page. I it's love it. It's so cool looking. It's so cool. And yeah. the, the jewelry is gorgeous. I'm going like, I don't buy myself nice things and I'm going to buy myself a nice thing. Um, and she actually made a note. You'll see the note on there, but on that Etsy shop, she was like, please give me a break. Because I make all this myself. She was like, so. thank you. But, but the, I love the idea that you could get some, do some early Christmas shopping and then support a uh, fellow Marino and help her pay some of those medical bills. Right. Or you know what? If you want to go wider, go to Rain and you can donate there or AINN and, you know, to survivors of domestic abuse and violence and kind of makes you feel great. Last week I donated money to the ACLU in my mom's name. Yes, nice. Because she's Republican. <laughs> Did I tell you this? And I was in the worst because before that... <laughs> I was so depressed. Thank you. I was so depressed. And I was like, this, I just feel hopeless and this is horrible. And then I just kept thinking about my mom and how angry I am at her. Yeah. You know, because it's a personal thing. (laughs) Because everything's her fault. (laughs) She voted and she's the one vote that made him win. Right. So I just (laughs) donated money and put it like as a gift. Yes. And gave her email address. (laughs) (laughs) So she's definitely going to get an email that says, thank you for this donation, Janet, to the ACLU. But she... I mean, the ACLU is, she must like that. They're for good. They're the, for the best, but people, but they don't understand. She doesn't understand. Yeah. You know what? Though, good. They, it's not for us to make anybody understand. Let's protect ourselves. Let's make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Let's take, that's brilliant. It felt small like a step really, action. It felt like a really positive, vindictive thing that I could <laughs> yeah. do. And I was really, it made, it definitely made me feel better after. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just a little, with a tiny jab. Yeah. Why not jab, jab around if you feel like yeah, it? Instead of screaming in her face about why she's killing the world. Which people can't hear at this point. Right. But, but it, that it really is a thing. If you are upset, if you're depressed, if you're freaking out, get, help someone out. If, if you're, if you're broke and you can't donate money. Phone calls. Um, letter writing. Just take action. Make a little list. Do three things. Make sure they're for other people and do them anonymously and you can build the good feeling back. Yeah. And then, you know, they, everyone loves to quote that Mr. Rogers, you know, look for the helpers quote, be a helper. Mm. Take it a step further. Karen, I love that. Right. Because I think, I think in this like social media, Twitter world we live in, we're like, I'm the queen of retweet it. Now you go do it. You know, I, that's how I I am. (laughs) Um, but. I think it's even better. It feels even better when you can be the person that's doing it and not just the person going, Oh, good. I'm comforted because there's a helper. Yeah. Like, yeah. Taking action in even the smallest way makes a huge difference. I love that. And stay fucking sane. Stay sane. Keep your feet on the ground. Yeah. Don't burn out energy with rage or any of those things. Just focus, you know, protect yourself. Yeah. Mental health. We're gonna we're gonna need our mental health because it's gonna be a long fucking fight, guys. Yeah, that's right. Um, speaking of justice, did we speak of justice? <laughs> we did. We shall speak of justice. So all these fucking cold cases now, after a fucking Golden State Killer, now all these genealogy websites. There's <clears throat> there's three in the news recently in like the past month. Yeah, that have been fucking solved because of uh, ancestral DNA. Yes. So it's fucking incredible. Christy uh, Mirak, who was a teacher who got murdered in 1992, um, the 1986 rape and murder in Tacoma of 
Michelle Welch, who was 12 years old. And then in British Columbia, Jay Cook and Tanya Van Cullenberg in 1987 were murdered. And those have all been solved by fucking familial DNA. Yeah. So everyone, we all need to go to the site, which is GED Match. <laughs> That's the site where all of these have been sent to because it's public. Oh, yeah. So you can't do it at 23andMe. Yeah, right. So now I'm like, let's all... F- if everyone listening right now sends their fucking DNA to GED match, like how maybe this some second or third cousin, you'll never even know about it. They're not going to call you. <laughs> You've never even met that third cousin. They're probably an asshole. <laughs> maybe he's a murderer and you fucking helped just by putting your DNA in there. And you'll, you'll never even know. Yeah. And the company, it, the company's called uh, Parabon Nano Labs, which is the company that's been taking that DNA and testing it and like handing it over to the, um, police Great. to do the invest. It's like, it's how much money did they give you to say that? A hundred nothings. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. It's, it really does feel like the, the wall is crumbling. It's, it has that early 2000s, uh, you know, yeah. DNA like ding, ding, ding feeling. How exciting. I mean, not exciting. How terrified are a bunch of murderers right now? Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, the net is finally closing in on some people. I can't wait till some guy just goes to and is like, I did this thing. You're going to find out because I'm freaking out about this DNA. Like, I just did it. That'd be amazing. That I'm would just be. really excited. And, it's, and that guy is the Zodiac Killer. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. He's only 97 years old. Well, there's this other fucking case. The Doodler? No. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. The Doodler. They're close on that one. The last I read. Okay. Well, no, this is the fucking dude... <laughs> This, this is the fucking. <laughs> this is the fucking dude. This is the guy. The old older man killed himself. They had no clue who he was when they ran his name through. It was like 2002 when they ran his name through the database to find out who he was because they couldn't get any prints or anything. It came up his name, Joseph Newton Chandler the third, came up as an, a boy who had died at, in 1945 at eight years old. Yes. So he stole this fucking guy's identity and they're trying to figure out why and who he was and why he was on the lamb. And everyone, of course, is like, he's the Zodiac because he was in fucking Napa at the time. Right. Right. Yeah. He's in the Bay Area. But we don't know yet. I love that. I, th- that's so also good. the fun part that it's going backwards like that, yeah. where it's like, we got the guy. Now we have to figure out where, like, match everything up. Totally. It's fascinating. No, it's, a, it's a, such an exciting time. <laughs> Not only because of that and all of those things, um, but also because somebody, uh, tweeted a picture, <laughs> picture. Oh no, what? On Twitter. Oh God, what is it? Um, it is, okay, I'm going to say the people. It's a, it's a podcast called Boundary Issues. Okay. Never heard of them. Sorry guys. Um, it doesn't really, sure, shoot, it doesn't describe did you just accidentally say sharp? I did say sharp, but I, that's not what I was trying to say. <laughs> They're out of Boston. The description on their Twitter handle is like brunch with your gal pals mixed with the worst anime you've ever loved. <laughs> so whatever that, that, that means. Sounds fun. Um, boundary cast. Okay. They were apparently looking for visual representation of my voice. And so they were looking on Google images and they found a stock photo of me. What? Um, and this is from. Are you a stock photo model? No, the, for some reason, this is a stock photo. Oh. Um, maybe somebody at this company was like, yeah, we got to get on this. We're going to make a million dollars off oh, this picture. No. This is from when I was 25 and I did the Bob Hope Young Comedian special. Mm. It was one of my first TV sets ever. Oh, my God. She's handing it to me. And wow, I, you are 
everything I've ever hoped you would be. <laughs> okay, look at those speed eyebrows. Those eyebrows? Yeah, those are... I've been sitting in front of the mirror plucking for fucking days. Those are... Um, they're straight up Myrna Loy style. I have OCD and I can't handle myself But eyebrows. the hair is Midwestern soccer mom. Well, but... It's like you're, now, a, you're a goth mid... mid, mid I'm going to stop you there. Okay. Uh, it was 1995. Okay. So the hair rules. I know. For I had the hair. time. Yeah, I had the hair. I had the hair. <laughs> and then you'd put it up in little uh, clips and you'd t- yes. twist them and shit. If I can put a headband in short hair, oh. it doesn't make sense. People are like, who is she? Pomade? Why are you using pomade? But here's what I love the most you about beautiful. this. A stock photo. Thank you. Here's, it's the, the key to my beauty mm-hmm. is in that picture. Mm-hmm. I have my lip liner is so far outside my natural lip line. I'm, I'm going close up right because now. Because I have a cold sore <gasps> that I'm trying to I cover. I see it. Can you see it? So all of the my lips, I have like <laughs> implant lips in a way that I've never had before or since. Well, be- now we know. Oh, yeah, you don't. Well, now we know you need a I need filler. <laughs> you know, guess what, though? It's too late. <laughs> no, dude, we can make you look like this again. <laughs> but everyone's like, but wait, I don't get it. Like, it, it's uh, like a weird this. Yeah, because. You look, Isn't that weird how different that makes my look face like look? like such a little baby. I was a real baby on So drugs. cute. Can I tell you something else that people found? Listen. Uh-oh. I, Is it bad? No. Well, I don't know. You tell me. Oh. Someone in the Facebook group, which I totally secretly stalk, uh, found a clip of you on, like, Jenny... What was her name? Jenny McCarthy? Show. Her And sitcom. a tattoo pa- parlor. That's right. That's, that's probably... Oh, no, I th- I'd say that's like two years after this stock okay. photo. Yeah. You got your hair all twisted up and shit. Yeah. And you're screwing the piercer. Yeah. You say, and I watched it and I didn't tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a handful. Because I already found the wings clip. Right. They'd always do something with my hair. Mm-hmm. The hair people would get their hands in my hair and be like, I can actually do something with this hair. Mm. So the wings clip, I have really big country Western hair. Mm. And everyone's like, look at this wig. And I'm like, that's my hair. <laughs> Just hairspray in my hair. You can do anything. I love it. But the Jenny McCarthy one, I, they, it's like, um, it's kind of the Bjork 90s look where yeah. it's just not, naughty knots all over That's my head. That's right. And if that you're, doesn't look good on anyone but Bjork. No. Cause I, then you just have a bald head. Yes. You're bald. And I think they did it because it looked funny because yeah. I really, it you know, punk, you know, punk, but also I'd like when you have a round face, it's like clearly she shouldn't have, she shouldn't have that. <laughs> um, Whatever. I mean, that's this is one of the many reasons why I hate television. Yeah. This is our new sitcom. <laughs> I mean, our new podcast. Our We're- new podcast called Let's Talk About My Hair in the 90s <laughs> and the drugs that I was on. There's something about that picture, though. The idea that someone dug that up, there's something so delightfully terrible. It's like somebody getting your old yearbook. But, but like, why is it a stock photo now? Why are they using it for stock? I know, I, that I cannot explain to you. It's it's good. It's I pretty like amazing. It. Um... What else? Do we have any other business? I don't. Uh, we, we have a fan cult. Oh, are we posting this week on it? Finally? On the fan cult? Yeah. I don't mean finally as in you. I mean, Stephen. I mean, finally as in us. We're getting our For shit together. So we're posting the P.O. Box unboxing yes, yeah. uh, video on mm-hmm. the fan cult and a live episode. Yes, a live episode. Which one is it? Milwaukee? Uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Night one. Night oh, one of Minneapolis. Oh, shit. So, remember? Remember? Or if you don't, go to myfavoritemurder.com, join the fan cult, you get a t-shirt and an enamel pin, and you can join all the forums, and you get a bunch of stuff like that. 
you get to join another little club. It's the club inside the club. Right. Um, and as soon as I figure out how to join it, I'm going to start posting on the forum. <laughs> but my dad is doing it in the meantime for me. Marty is standing in for you. We'll try to get all the families families involved. That's right. My sister would probably lurk. Yeah. Um, for sure. But she wouldn't want anyone to know she was there. Um and yeah, those live shows I think are people are going to be excited because yeah. we've been been asked for a long time. So we're going to start putting those up, That's you right. know, on the reg. And then of course all kinds of wonderful content uh, for you: recipes and um, <laughs> videos, videos, songs, yeah, poems. Think, Stephen's going to write a poem every week. Oh, we haven't actually. You know, it needs to go up. ASAP, Stephen, a hmm. picture of your new haircut. Stephen oh, yeah. has a summer look that actually is not that different than me in the stock photo in 1995. Oh, yeah. And it is a look as in like L-E-W-K. Like it's got, it's got fucking <laughs> attitude. Talk to us about the haircut, Stephen. You know, I mean, it was... <laughs> No, I it, on Oprah. No, it's a very. I was a very self conscious thing where I think I've seen a lot of photographs of myself with the huge beard and the you were getting and and the long hair, right. and I was like, you know what? It's time to it's time to freshen up. So yes, yeah. just back to the mustache and uh, yeah, just a nice little. It's getting hot in LA, so you deserve it. You deserve a nice. You know, take care of yourself. It looks it makes really you feel good. You. It, it looks really good with the headphones on. Yes, we're gonna get the same the haircut. <laughs> it's yeah, it's podcasting hair. Mustache, it's more realistic too. mustache, absolutely. I'll just stop shaving. Yeah. <laughs> I can do a mustache. I'd say in four days. Well, you look great. Uh, yeah, we support you. We support your look, but also you need to start putting some content on the fucking fan <laughs> called Steven. Now that we got the compliments out of the way, <laughs> what the fuck? Get your shit together. Come on. Get, put your personal shit on there. Steven! Um, are we... Right, yeah, you're raising your hand. Uh, Miss Hartzart? Yes, Karen? Just yes, Miss Kilgara. Just this one thing, and this is local news. Okay. This is um, the local oh. news segment of the show. <laughs> yeah, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Hold on. The, are we going to talk about the very first episode we ever did? It's called episode number one. Oh, yeah. We talk about, like, the first thing we talk about is a fucking dude who gets in a car accident on a freeway right near us and severs half of his body and lands on a fucking, what's it called? Uh Bill, what do they call it? The freeway sign, it's an the exit freeway, sign. An exit sign. Yeah. So that's like, it's like a kind of a theme. And now episode 100 and what is this? 20, 27. 27. Ooh, 127. We're getting back to that same thing that we started in episode one. Because um, the 110 freeway <laughs> in Los <laughs> Angeles. During rush hour. Okay. okay. Asshole. This is like closing down the sidewalk in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even explain how much this is not It's like okay. shutting down an entire airport. Yeah. Because this city sucks. And this city is sucks. It's planned terribly. There's never not traffic. It's crazy. And the 110 is basically how everybody yeah. gets downtown. Everybody. So, and to get to work, if you're on the west side, if you're on the east side, if you work downtown, who nobody cares. It's, it's a main artery. Yeah. This guy this morning during drive time gets up onto one of those <laughs> freeway signs. Now, I like what he, and a couple people wrote this too. He was, he's basically saying pollution is killing. Let's stop killing each other and get rid of pollution. Definitely. Great message. hundred percent. And he was at least entertaining and funny. Yeah. He was doing funny stuff. Uh, he was shirtless with some jean shorts. Of course, all the cops and firemen had to go up there and be like, dude, you have to get down. He's a protester. He's not doing it. They put those big, crazy stuntman air pillow things underneath the sign so that when he gets off, he has to just jump off. Yeah. 
and or like if he if he just jump yeah then he can't hurt himself yeah like if he's crazy and he's going to uh it's going to be a bad suicide situation but instead what he does is he kind of scuttles away from the cops that have climbed up onto this fucking which also like a they're fucking risking their own lives yeah and they have so many other real emergencies to be tending to at that fucking moment yeah so fuck this guy especially in downtown yeah and it's 8 30 in the fucking morning all these poor people have to go to fucking work (laughs) oh i mean i love i think pollution's a terrible thing it's too, terrible but you're and then you're not if the story's about you being a dick now not about pollution well because yeah it's a good attention getter but it the uh, shock waves also if you do something like that and you shut down a freeway in la i i'm surprised people didn't try to kill him i mean <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of shit where like road rage yeah. is a real thing yeah, here yeah, yeah. and people it, it, they they were it wasn't just like oh some cars can go by on the side stop entirely the freeway. shut down the one can you imagine? those okay. poor people that live on those streets like near usc <sighs> him but here's what's genius he scuttles away from the cops when they're like you have to get down and then he goes over to the side and does a fucking backflip off of the street That's sign right. as if he's at the public pool yep and, and you know he's like i'm going to prison for a while yeah so i'm gonna make this fun i'm gonna and maybe i'm still on some mushrooms from my uh, mushroom <laughs> party last night whatever but then the very end and someone wrote this it made me laugh really hard yeah um <laughs> the she wrote the, it's so funny at the end because he kind of stays in the middle where he lands yeah. and the cops are trying to grab him to get him off yeah. and he has his hands in the air but he's not getting off yeah. so they can't they're trying to get on to get him off yeah. and it turns into a little bit of like the physical comedy bit and it's like and the, the girl that wrote it goes those things are so fucking hard to get off of <laughs> <laughs> so what an asshole it's so true I hate him the cops are all you can tell they're livid and they're fucking just trying to arrest him yeah and, and he's sweating. like bro don't tase me dude oh my god you know that's some fucking poor girl named stacy's ex-boyfriend and she's like <sighs> so embarrassed right now or has someone like i've gone on a, t- a tinder date with that guy yeah you know <laughs> he left his shirt in my car yeah, it was so weird that ch- oh the shirtless guy that brought me to the <laughs> to the restaurant <laughs> he just hates shirts and pollution i love those it. are his two least favorite things okay he can't it. wear a shirt <laughs> georgia is there anything scarier than trying to log into an account and it tells you that your password is incorrect. And then you try again and it's the same thing. And after a few more failed attempts, big red letters appear saying you've been locked out and your account is suspended. That happens to me all the time, Karen. But scary password stories can have happy endings if you give 1Password a try. 1Password is a user-friendly password management system. It's trusted by consumers, families, small businesses, and large-scale enterprises. If you're tired of being the family member everyone texts for a streaming login or the unofficial keeper of all those shared work credentials, it's time for you to pass the torch to 1Password. They allow for secure login sharing. With 1Password, you can securely store more than just passwords, autofill everything from usernames to payments details and personal info. They'll also notify you about potential data breaches. 1Password saves everyone time. And in many cases, that save time equals money saved. The accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. I mean, you should, but don't just do that. The Associated Press uses 1Password to secure their sensitive information in high-risk areas. Right now, our listeners can get a two-week free trial at onepasswordcom MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com slash mfm one password.com slash mfm goodbye hmm. who goes first this week that was breaking um steve new hair steve what do you was have last a- week oh i think i went first did you wait consulting the notes who went first uh wait 
Uh, oh, um, you go first. I go first. Yes. Okay, okay. Karen. This is first. Karen Kilgar. Good night. I'm going to take a nap. This is um, this is lip implant Kilgara <laughs> reporting. You close your eyes, <laughs> put your feet up above your head, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> Georgia just turned into uh, the letter L. <laughs> um, okay, so okay. with all the with the very bad feelings that are in a cloud around us, like pollution. Mm. Like this terrible pollution. I will say this, coming home from Petaluma, mm-hmm. having visited my family, and then driving back down, this city is... It's disgusting. It's shockingly brown. It's so brown. I, I you don't even notice. You think the sky is blue, and then you're like, well, that's actually not blue. No. And <laughs> it's like driving down the five when you get b- behind Burbank, you know, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. kind of like on that spot. So you get almost all the... You get the pollution that's kind of in general, but then you get it all the way downtown too. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's like the air is tan. Yeah. It's <laughs> very tan. disturbing. It is. So backflip, you were right, but why did I say that? Oh, because <laughs> so with all the bad things that are happening, yeah. it's very good for us. Like I'm so happy I went and saw my family, got to see Nora, uh, got to hang out with the fam, um, got to have a nice drive home and listened to about 40 episodes of the legendary podcast criminal Ugh, which we've yes. all listened to yes so good so many amazing stories and of course my favorite thing is when people are telling their own story firsthand yeah in some way um and so this one i wanted to tell because i've we, i think we've all heard this story on dateline and on all of all of the shows uh-huh. but in this episode of criminal um it's told firsthand from um from this woman's point of view who was in in it and involved in it and the whole thing is kind of as awful as the story is it's also feel good which we fucking need right now well we're not gonna have that by the end of the episode because mine's not (laughs) no and i don't think people are coming here for the direct feel good right but i just want as i sat down yeah because i was gonna do georgia lee moses this week Uh because i was in petaluma and she's the girl the 12 year old girl who's still a cold case she was murdered and left by the side of the road at the same time polyclass was but polyclass got way more attention yeah because polyclass's family was there there are people who did they didn't know georgia moses was gone for a couple days like it's the the difference in everything in those two stories is so stark and awful Uh but georgia moses still has friends who knew her from junior high they have a facebook page they still talk about it and they moved there was a memorial next to the 101 freeway which was near where her body was dumped and when they did they just did a ton of reconstruction on that Uh part of the freeway they had to move move the memorial and people were really really upset it's like you can't just move this this is uh-huh. meaningful they moved it in front of the Petaluma City Hall Aww. which I think is so beautiful and important and like just even doing that slight research made me happy yeah. but well, maybe that can be one of those cases that are finally fucking solved by yes ancestral DNA the thing is it ha- I think all in all these cases or you know like a major part of it is that there's someone somewhere that's just fighting for it still waiting bugging people and saying please test this please test this um which we all know and every time we do you you do them way more than me of the cold cases Mm -hmm. so anyway that's what i was gonna do and then i when i sat down after all the news this morning and everything that's tough i was like "Ah, maybe something less tough yeah so this this was a cool story to hear on criminal and also i got uh there's a really good article in the dallas news um, that was reprinted from August 3rd, 2012. Okay. Um, so this starts October 12th, 1984. 
um, and in, we're in Dallas, Texas. It's um, a woman named Angie Samoda. Is she's a student at Southern Methodist University, which is right there in Dallas, uh-huh. and she is, you know, she's described by her friend and in every article or whatever. And this is a thing that we come up against a lot because, of course, the majority of stories that we hear are about blonde, beautiful women. Uh-huh. That's like that's the uh, that's a news get if, uh-huh. it, if a blonde beautiful mother is killed uh-huh. you know that's that's a that's a story that they all everybody sinks their teeth into right um and so this is another one of those stories um she was a, in a sorority she was a sorority girl she was really fun and vivacious and lovely and beautiful but she also was super smart she uh-huh. was a double major oh in um can in computer science and electrical engineering. Holy shit. So she clearly wanted to be like a computer person yeah. a, or knew that the, that was going to be the future. Totally. Um, and, and so she, you know, that's why her friends called her a triple threat. And so basically the, the majority of this episode of criminal, they're interviewing a woman named Sheila Gibbons Wysocki. Mm-hmm. And she, Sheila was Angela's roommate, uh, freshman year at Southern Mount. SMU, we'll call it. Okay. I feel so uncomfortable using shortened terms for colleges <laughs> as if I fucking went there or anywhere. But SMU. You know, good old SMU. And then you're like, go see snakes. Herky. Go Herky Sneak Snakes. Sea Snakes. You call them the Sea Snakes. Is that what they, maybe that's what they are. That is what they are. The Sea Snakes. The Southern Methodist Sea Snakes. All that like alliteration, <laughs> it, get, it really trips people mm. up and then they lose the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they have to <laughs> see snakes. See snakes. Okay, so Sheila and Angela uh, are paired their roommates freshman year of college. Okay. And as, you know, vivacious and, and outgoing as Angela is, Sheila, she's a psych major. She's a little bit more um, introverted, a little more cautious, re- really not the same type. She doesn't drink. Mm-hmm. And when they first uh, lived together, Angela had a boyfriend that, she hated that that Sheila hated okay and was like so but then Angela broke up with that guy and then the two of them started hanging out all the time okay and so it that she Sheila tells a lovely story of how they used to go drive down a place called Forest Lane where basically you just drive around that's how you met guys in Uh like in that area which is so cute and so country like it reminded me of in Paloma we had in the 80s in high school there was cruising you just drove up and down the boulevard like let's see who's out right now yeah and like yell into other people's cars and and then just drive away (laughs) Um, that's how I always did it Um, you'll think of me later bye (laughs) Uh, so so anyway, that's what they did. And that, you know, uh, Sheila has all, all these fond memories of how fun they were. And that when they would, like when the their groups of friends would party, Sheila was just the designated driver. Mm-hmm. So she still hung out and had fun, but just was kind of uh, more on the more conservative side. Yeah. Then when it's, uh, when the next year, Angie decides she wants to be in a sorority. She doesn't want to live in a sorority house because she started dating a new guy. His name's Ben. He's older. She wants to be able to like kind of live a more independent life. So she moves into a condo off campus. But she and Sheila still stay in touch and are still friends. So in the weekend of October 12th, 1984, it's the big game between (laughs) <laughs> Again, he didn't say their full saying their full name. The sea snakes versus the. It's the sea. No, it, this is now. Uh, well, you know the mascot for the University of Texas, of course, the famous cowboy boot. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the fighting cowboy boot uh, going up against the University of Oklahoma. And they're uh, fighting tumbleweed. <laughs> the cowboy boot. The boot just kicking the yeah. tumbleweed's ass. Yeah. The tumbleweed coming in and putting little spikes down the boot. Yeah. Or just later. like making everyone kind of depressed. <laughs> just like blowing by and being like, oh, fuck that And sucks. quitting the game. Just quitting the football yeah, game because they're bummed out. Keeps going. Good job, tumbleweed. Did you see really quickly? There's like this town that got overran by tumbleweeds. Yes. Was it like Vegas or Nevada somewhere? Yes. It or was somewhere Arizona. like Arizona. Somewhere where that has tumbleweeds. Okay, everyone. It like... It's like the creepiest fucking thing. Look it up. There's video. And it's like two-story houses and the tumbleweeds reach the second fucking story. And it kind of just makes you think of like, it looks like spiders. It's crazy. Anyways. It's such a good video. It's just like someone driving in a car and then these humongous, not like one tumbleweed that crosses the road in a a Western. (laughs) Huge tumbleweeds that are just piling up that they're like, can someone come and get these out of our yard? It's it's so... It's It's good stuff. Okay. Okay. So, of course, the boots are kicking the tumbleweed's asses. No, I don't know. This was like a famous game. It was called the um, the Red River Showdown. And okay. it was also the same weekend as the, it was the opening weekend of the Texas State Fair. Okay. So, there's a shit ton of people out and about. And so, Angie wants to go out and she gets her friend, Anita Kadala, um, and she goes bar hopping. And they call a guy that Angie had met previously mm-hmm. also at a bar and his name is russell buchanan um now russell buchanan's older than them they're sophomores he's graduated he's 23 he's getting ready to go to graduate school he's an architect he's studying or he's got his degree in architecture and mm-hmm. that's what he's going to become so he's not he, i think she i he's mean the frat boy kind of. no exactly he's he's kind of like a cool older guy that they met and it's like come drink with us yeah um and uh and then Angie's boyfriend Ben he didn't go out that night cuz he had to get up he was a construction construction company manager uh-huh. so he had to get up really early in the morning so he's like no you you go have your fun so um they went bar hopping that night and everywhere they went people said she she knows everybody everywhere she is this she became the social chair uh-huh. of the sorority she joined uh-huh. so she was just kind of like one of those people yeah. um and so around 1 a.m., they go, they go home. So Angie drops off, um, uh, first she drops off, uh, Russell at his house, which is a five minute walk from her apartment. Mm-hmm. Then she drops off her friend Anita. Then she drives over to her boyfriend Ben's house that's about a half an hour away just to say goodnight. And basically it sounded like she said, like, you're a nerd for not coming out with us. Um, Whatever, mm-hmm. you know, cute, cuteness. Mm-hmm. Then she drives home. Okay. Um, at about 1.45 in the morning, Ben gets a call and Angie's saying, talk to me. I'm, I'm freaked out right now. There's a guy in my house <gasps> and he's, he's just waking up. He doesn't get what's going on and she's trying to talk to him in code at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't understand what she's saying. And then finally she says, I'm freaking out because there's a stranger in my house. Mm-hmm. And she basically says some guy knocked on the door and asked if he could use the bathroom and use the phone. <gasps> And so I'm really scared. And right she now. let him in and she's like, let's just pretend we're on the phone while he's here until he leaves. Stay on the phone with me. Exactly. Oh no. Yeah, exactly. So as he's starting to catch on and going, wait, what? Right, right as he's asking her, like, how did you meet this guy yeah. or whatever? The phone goes dead. <gasps> so he calls her back. 
There's no answer. He starts freaking out, drives over to the apartment. And because of his job, even though it's 1984 fucking four, and this is pre 911, pre DNA, pre cell phones, he has got a cell phone in his truck because what? he's this construction site manager. So in the episode of criminal, they say the cell phone took up like the, almost the entire like front dash Whoa. of this truck, but he did have a, a phone in his car. So he just kept on calling her yeah. on his drive over. And of course, no one answered so he gets there the door's locked no one's opening the door he's knocking no one's responding so he goes back calls the police uh -huh. he has to call information to call the police oh and the police show up and there's a in the, the dallas news article i read there's a, a police officer who says she was on the case and she was 20 years old at, at, she was like a rookie herself yeah. and she they had had this crazy weekend because there's so many more people in town right. than they normally are. Right. And then they get this call and she says the second they pulled into the apartment complex, she had a bad feeling <gasps> and it just kept getting worse. And she was like, it was the worst feeling. Oh um, so they open, they, they get the manager's key. They open Angela's apartment door and her partner, as she's walking around the front, she's seeing Angela's shoes in the kitchen and looking around there. And she hears her part, her partner in the back bedroom saying she's back here. Oh. And, Angela's murdered body is laying nude on her bed. She's been stabbed 18 times. Oh my God. This is really graphic. She was stabbed so violently that her heart was outside of her chest. Oh my God. Just horrible. And this, and that woman who is the, uh, who is the officer says, yeah, she says she's never forgotten. No. It. No. And you wouldn't. Um, and yeah, it's just worst case scenario. So, so the police collect the blood and semen samples, um, from this crime, crime scene. They scrape her fingernails and they keep all that evidence. Um, but it's again, 1984. Right. Um, and immediately, of course, there are three, three very obvious suspects that mm -hmm. the police identify Ben McCall, a Angie's current boyfriend, mm -hmm. um, Russell Buchanan, the guy that was out with them at the bar that night. Mm -hmm. And then an ex, the, that ex boyfriend right. of Angie that Sheila did. Did not like who actually threatened Angie with a knife um, when they broke up. Oh my god! Um, so you know Sheila's instincts were right, um, but they find that the blood on the scene was was um, the blood type of non secretor, right? Was which was the way they typed it back then. And Angie's boyfriend Ben and the bad ex were both immediately cleared because they were uh, secretors. But Russell Buchanan is a non secretor, so the cops are immediately like, "This is our guy." A secretor is defined as a person who secretes their blood type antigens into body fluids, and secretions like the saliva in your mouth and mucus in your digestive tract and respiratory cavities. Basically, what this means is that a secretor puts their blood type into these body fluids. Okay. Okay. So a non-secretor is someone who doesn't have their blood type in their body. So fluid. you can't type it through fluid. Right. Or could, they couldn't at the time. Yeah. Cool. I think that they still can't because they don't secrete it. But I... We haven't evolved. <laughs> all right. Okay. So it's all about Russell Buchanan now. Okay. And his story is a little weird. Okay. Because when the cops show up at his apartment Monday morning to say that Angela Samata is dead and mm -hmm. has been murdered... Russell Buchanan acts like he has no idea 
and does hasn't and the cops are like so you haven't watched the news and you uh-huh. haven't uh, read the newspaper and he's like no actually the morning after i got dropped off i woke up really early i went to my friend's wedding i left from my friend's wedding for a trip to visit my family in houston that i've had planned for a while and I just got back when I got back Sunday night, I immediately started working because I had a bunch of work to do. Um, and yeah, I have, I, I haven't, I don't know anything. That doesn't seem that weird, right? I mean, well, yeah, for, from his point of view, but the cops see it as, uh, you got dropped off and then you left town. uh, That's all they are seeing. And so they're like, and you're a non secretor. Right. So they bring him in and they give him a lie detector test and Mm -hmm. he passes it. And that, of course, they're like, what happened? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. This is the guy, clearly. And so they put him under surveillance and they're watching him. And in the over the next six months, they bring him in repeatedly to question him and to test his story and to talk about that trip to visit his family and over and over. And as that happens, and he doesn't call a lawyer because he's trying to be, uh-huh. he's trying to work with the police uh-huh. and he's trying to help the case. Um, but finally, his family says, you have to call. They're just going to pin this on you. So you, you have to get a lawyer. Yeah. He does finally decides to do that when the, when the police say, actually, we don't think your lie, your lie detector test. I, we don't think you passed it. We looked at it again and it's inconclusive. Uh-oh. And that's when he knew, like, this is going to get bad for me. So he lawyers up and the lawyer basically calls the lead detective and says, release my client or charge him. Yeah. And so they have to release him. Then the cops find out that Russell's about to leave the country because he's going to get his, he's going to graduate school for architecture in London. Uh-oh. So now they're like, We've got to get this guy. Yeah. What the fuck? So they start talking to Angela's friends and <clears throat> and they meet Sheila. And Sheila tells them, Sheila knows all about Angie's other friends and about her life. And they start talking to Sheila more and more and finally convince her to go out to dinner with Ooh. Russell and ask him about all the details of that to see if his story uh-huh. is the same. Uh. She wears a wire. Sting operation. Yes. That sounds fucking awesome. They put a wire on her and she, in the criminal episode, goes, the one thing I did wrong was that I drew, I rode in his car to the restaurant. Where oh, I was like, holy no. shit. So she, and she goes, I realized as I was doing that, that that was a bad idea. But she basically had dinner with the person she thought murdered. She her thought he roommate. did it. Yes, she did. And she was basically asking all the questions they told her to ask. And his story was consistent. It was the same thing. I don't think it's him. He said, <laughs> he said all the same stuff. And so they basically, when it came time for him to go to London to go to graduate school, he left. Okay. And the case goes cold. Okay. I really don't. I'm like, keep waiting to remember this story and I don't know it. And I don't, and I'm excited. And I also don't think he did it. Okay. But, I, but that's my guess right now. Okay. Okay. I like, I like a mid story guess. Okay. Just to be like, cause you know, in these things, anything can happen. That's right. So, sorry, I have to catch up to myself. What does that say? Anything can happen. <laughs> There's a moth flying around and I apologize. Oh, that's right. Oh, also, I forgot to mention, the police told Sheila before she wore the wire and had dinner with Russell that he had failed his lie detector <gasps> test and that he had fled the city after the uh, murder. They basically told her the story and really hit the narrative of like, this guy's, this is our guy. Yeah. And we need to get this guy before he leaves for London. Yeah, yeah. So... 
when they can't get any evidence and there's there's nothing to prove and he is able to leave for London and go to graduate school, you know, they all kind of just go, that was the guy and yeah. no, nothing else is ever investigated. And um, Sheila doesn't, Sheila can't go back to college. Yeah. She like can't deal with it. And she, she drops out of college. Two years later, she meets the man who will be her future husband. And they end up, um, moving to Tennessee together to Nashville, I believe, or Tennessee, I should say. Mm-hmm. How would I fucking know where they moved? Um, <laughs> they moved to Tennessee and they have two sons. Okay. And I think her new husband did it. <laughs> what about the sons? Um, so she's living there and she's, she's got, she's, you know, got her life there, but it's always bothered yeah. her that A, her friends never gotten justice. She's the one who solves it. I know this. I don't know what happens. <laughs> I just remember reading about her, yep. but I don't know what happens. This is the good, feel good part. I love her. Okay. So, um, it really bothers her that Russell Buchanan is in London. Now he's, I think at some point he comes back. He becomes a very successful architect. Um, and she's really pissed about it. Yeah. And she's like, Fuck my friend guy. who could have been a genius computer, whatever totally. she wanted is dead. No one's paying for it. And this guy's living his life and he's the guy. Yeah. So she then at one point she joins a Bible study group. And the way she tells the story is that one night in bed, she was trying to get her reading done for this group. Mm-hmm. And out of the corner of her God, eye. How boring. Can you imagine just trying to read the Bible oh, in bed? Oh, d- d- hello. That was all my entire childhood. Oh. Theology, like Yawn. we got taught that shit in high school. That sounds so boring. I don't know any of the presidents, but I we could talk about fucking Samuel five thirty five all day. I don't know if that's an actual chapter <laughs> or uh, <laughs> um, is that a beer? I think that's a kind of it's a kind of yes. Beer. Samuel the Great is and lo the dark brew. <laughs> <laughs> washed among your hair and conditioned it <laughs> and it fishes and loaves and it conditioned the world and it and lo amen my only begotten son so she's sitting there trying to get her reading done okay. and she says she doesn't know if she fell asleep or if it was a vision <gasps> or what but she knows for a fact that suddenly angela is standing next <gasps> to her bed and that's when she knew it's it's time to stop thinking about this and do something. Yes. And she, right that moment, picks up the phone and calls the Dallas police wow. and says, my friend Angela was murdered in 1984. Nothing's ever come of it. What is somebody going to do something? And she, from there, begins to call the police. In a one-year period, she called the Dallas police 750 times. Holy shit. She just kept calling and she knew, she said... It wasn't like she was demanding or angry. Yeah. She, she basically was begging and just saying, please, please open the case. Please look at the evidence. Can someone please do something? When Is you there- hear those stories about the longtime ones, you just hear that like, yeah, they don't call and yell. They like the dad will just call and be like, just reminding you I'm still here. Yeah. Hey, hi, how are you? Send Christmas cards. Right. Just want to let you know, like just not letting it get out of your mind. Right, because, and as everyone knows, the police have current cases to solve on top of these cold cases. And this was back, so now it's the, you know, the 90s, the 2000s, sorry, it's the 2000s. And 
they they still didn't have a cold case unit. No, that's like a pretty new thing for a lot of places. I think. Yeah. So she's basically calling to say, hey, can, hey, this old thing that like you don't yeah. even have time for, can you please make time for it? Yeah. So every time she would talk to a different detective, mm. every time she'd get bounced around, um, she was known as the, as the PETA, the pain in the ass. <laughs> that the pain call. in the ass is trying to get her fr- friend's brutal murder, murder solved. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but I mean, you're right. Okay. At one point, uh, one of the policemen that she's ends up talking to on the phone tells her you know some cases just aren't meant to be solved and she thinks <laughs> uh yeah she thinks to herself this one is going to be and that's when she so she because of the murder and the way it affected her life when that when she where she lived with her family was in a gated community because mm-hmm. she was felt so unsafe all sure. the time and she would when she was calling these cops in dallas and talking she would talk to the guy that was the head of the security of this of the where they lived their Uh neighborhood where they lived and at one point and she was complaining she couldn't get any movement that she would ask them you know Uh or tell them about stuff and they didn't seem to care and the man who was um the head of the security at this gated community said to her um i can sponsor you and you can become a private investigator (gasps) and you can start looking into this yourself um, because back then you needed a sponsor and then you had to take a test. Uh-huh. And so she was like, that's what I'm going to do. I love him. Love him. Love her. And he, uh, yeah. How cool of it, of him to yeah. realize this is a woman on a mission that needs help. Totally. And he's like, I'll sponsor you do this thing. So she said, she's, she talks about it on criminal that she studied. Like it was a Harvard entrance exam. Oh my God. She had her son's quoting like civil law to her they were still remember it to this day wow. as adults and she basically took this test and became a private investigator herself wow because then you can get the case files right yeah and yeah it has she has all this access and there's much more respectability with the police right when she's calling she's not just some lady totally suddenly she's an investigator that's there and she also had to work on you know, when she first started as a private invas- investigator, she was doing like cheating cases and all those kinds of things. But the only reason she got her license was for An- to solve Angela's murder. Okay. So, but she's actually working as a real private wow. investigator simultaneously. That's so cool. She actually, her quote, uh, there's an amazing quote in one of the articles I read where she said, the FBI has nothing on a worried mother. <gasps> I'm a better investigator. Oh. So in 2006... After years and years of calling and she made a war room in her house where she like had all the evidence and she'd finally got gotten a hold of a detective named Linda Crum. Uh-huh. And she she said in her first conversation with Linda, she knew it was going to be different uh. because it's suddenly somebody was listening and they were talking and there was, you know, this was now a world where cold cases were a yeah. thing you you went into and that was becoming a, a department and all that stuff. So she talks to Linda. Linda finds out that they do have, they have blood samples, Ooh. they have fingernail scrapings, they have semen. And Linda's like, we're going to send it to the lab. Hell yes, you are. Yeah. And in 2008, they get a hit <gasps> and they find out that the DNA at the crime scene belongs not to Russell Buchanan and not to anybody that they investigated, but to a man named Donald Andrew Bess, who was when they in 2008, when they found out serving a life sentence in Huntsville for rape. Oh, my God. He had been out on parole for rape in 1984 
he saw Angie the night that they everybody was out in Dallas uh, for the the big weekend Mm -hmm. and became fixated on her. He followed her home and knocked on her door and asked if he could use her bathroom and use her phone, gained access to her apartment, which at the time and this was a product of the day, but. He, I'm sure he was very polite yep. and very friendly yeah. and probably acted worried. The man was six feet tall. Wow. And weighed 350 pounds. Holy shit. Um, there's no need to open, you don't open a door for somebody like that. Yeah, somebody now like we that, know, like, you don't even open your door. You don't it's open not the even, door. you don't say no, you can't come in. You just don't open the fucking door. You don't open the door and you, there's no reason that a man like that needs your help yeah. personally. Yeah. He could, he go to a gas station. There's hey, lots phone, of other places. Anything. So anyway, but, but, at the time, she's just back in from the club. It could have even been that thing where she gets in, turns around, shuts the door, and then there's a knock. Yeah. She thinks it's someone like her neighbor. Yeah. Or, yeah, somebody that just passed her in the, you know, there's yeah. a, there's the way your mind goes. You're like, this is fine. Yeah. But then once he's in the apartment, she immediately gets the bad feeling. She's and, like, what did I fucking do? Yeah. So she calls her boyfriend. And again, pre-911. Yeah. You can't, the, if there's no emergency things set up to help you and support you, you don't know what else to do. It's also that thing of like, I'm like, well, she should have just walked out of the house, you know, and like left. But it's like, yeah, you, you don't and go where though to knock on the neighbor's door. I don't know. Yeah. But I like that. Knock on the neighbor's door or just grab your keys and get into your car. Right. But the thing and like the thing of like, I don't want to leave the stranger alone in my house. It's like at this point, if you've got some worry going on, just get the fuck out of there. Just your get shit out. will be fine. Grab Who your cares? cat and get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So what the police theorize is that he gained access to her apartment, you know, surely by being charming and nice. And then once he got in there, he attacked her. And when um, Ben got to the apartment and knocked on the door, he was still in there. They think he that's when he stabbed her to keep <gasps> her quiet. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So in June of 2010, Russell, uh, they there they tried Donald Bess for uh cap for capital murder the jury deliberates for 1 hour yeah. and this is after the defense it's very upsetting uh Sheila talks about this in in the episode of criminal the defense brought out her outfit and talked about how she was dressed provocatively and that basically she was asking for it. Are you in 2008? Yeah. They they completely tried to destroy her reputation. They tried to talk about her. Uh, They tried to to act like she was getting around town type of stuff. Can you imagine being on that jury and just being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's almost like them convicting in an hour is telling the defense, fuck you. Yes, it is. That was not a fucking defense. That's exactly right. And this DNA match was almost a hundred percent yeah it was like it was this astronomical it's almost like they weren't even they weren't even saying he raped and murdered her they were saying she deserved it. right well how he couldn't help himself exactly because right. of her exactly right and that oh, jury man. came back and was like uh, no 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 how about go fuck yourself how about he gets the death sentence yeah yeah he's found guilty he's given the death sentence Sheila drove 650 miles from Nashville to Dallas to be there for the trial oh my God. with her older son. Oh. Yes. And then Donald Best is still on death row and he just lost his most recent appeal. <sighs> 
two years after uh, he was convicted in February of 2012, Russell Buchanan met Sheila <gasps> Gibbons Wysocki and because they both went to Dallas to film the episode of Dateline about Angela's murder. And when Sheila met Russell, she said to him, I need your forgiveness. And then she explained everything that she did to help the police try to convict him. <gasps> and she explained how you know, they told her he'd fail. He, they, yeah. that basically the storyline was that he was guilty and they needed help getting yeah, him. And she always thought he was guilty. She always thought he was guilty. And Russell Buchanan said to her, you are just doing what you thought was right for your friend. Mm. And then when Russell Buchanan's name was cleared entirely, the Dallas police apologized to him. The, current investigator pulled out his file and said you've really been through something <gasps> and he was quoted at uh as saying in the in the dallas news um that uh quote it wasn't their fault if that was your daughter that had been killed wouldn't you want the police department to use whatever means necessary to find the truth i would as far as i'm concerned the dallas police department does not owe me an apology they never did i'm grateful for the work and the service they did that's it period oh how fucking rad is that oh my guy god yeah and the part that i love the most sheila waisaki i hope i'm pronouncing her last name right but i think i am um she now has her own private investigation oh. firm in Nashville called Without Warning. And she started out only, she was only doing it for her friend Angela so that she could solve that murder. Mm -hmm. She said that she gets thousands of calls from families <gasps> with cold case murder cases that they need help with. And she does, she works on about five a year. Oh my God. And, uh, yeah. When it is the, the, kind of final moment at the end of the episode of Criminal. Phoebe what's her last Phoebe name? Phoebe Judge. Yes. I love her so Phoebe much. Phoebe Judge with the greatest I'm Talk Phoebe about Judge. The, I'm a Phoebe Judge and this she's so human. Yeah. She's so warm. good warm. at it. Warm. So good at that good radio stuff. Yeah. Phoebe Judge says why did you think you could do this? And Sheila goes I didn't but I had to try. She deserved it. And that is a fucking horrible story that is also so beautiful of a person who just like did something. That is incredible. Let's end this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do one this week. <laughs> or can we edit this so that mm -hmm. yours is the end? No, just tell yours. Okay. Tell it. That was beautiful. Thank um, you. Yeah. Good job. And good job, Phoebe Judge. <laughs> good job, Phoebe Judge. <laughs> Sheila and Phoebe really gave me the book. I mean, that was, I was driving down the five just being like, this is the best story yeah, of all time. This is it. This oh is beautiful. God. Okay. I'm going to pee. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> when you were in the bathroom, you texted Danielle. <laughs> I'm always working. Do not get Are we recording? Dinky. Yeah. Oh. Georgia, <laughs> Georgia did it again. We took a break. We took a break and then Georgia did some, did, got some work done in I'm the just bathroom. sitting there peeing. What else am I supposed to do? I just love it because she goes downstairs and then I get a notification on my phone as I'm sitting up here. Georgia texted so-and-so. I love it. You can't, also it's just, I it think it's making me laugh because we cannot get away from each other. We can't get away from each other. We can't, I can't turn it off. It's just a constant thought of everything. It's constant. Busy, busy. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right. Um, I am doing 
The Lake Bodum murders. Lake what? Bodum. Oh. Do you know them? I don't. Not by title. All right. Here we go. Lake. So Lake Bodum is uh, in Finland. Okay. Okay. You there? It's uh, so the capital of Helsinki. Just outside of that is a town called Espo, and then out in, in right right outside on the outskirts of that is this like beautiful lake uh, called Lake Bodum. People go camping and fishing and hiking, and it's just like a beautiful, safe area. Okay. <laughs> so the Lake Bodum murders is the most famous unsolved homicide in Finnish criminal history. Wow. Unsolved, as I like to do. Yeah, as you like to do. Okay, so Saturday, June 4th, 1960. Mm, Here we are. And an oldie. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's two couples, two teenage couples that decide to go camping. One is 15-year-old Myla or Melly Bjorklund. And her, four, her so she's 15. Her 18-year-old boyfriend is named Nils Wilhelm Gustafsson. Gustafsson. No, Gustafsson. Gustafsson. They've been dating for about a month. And then their friends, Anya Tuliki Maki, she's 15 also, and she's with her boyfriend about a year. His name's Seppo Boisman. He's 18. Mm. So two 15-year-old girls, they're 18-year-old boyfriends. They set up camp. They hang out. They fish. They drink some booze. Then, you know, did fucking camp like teenage camping shit totally um and then they go to bed that night in the tent and before i realized what the real name is of this kind of tent style i just wrote snoopy style tent (laughs) but it's a pup tent yes (laughs) you know what i mean we're like you just like hang a rope and you you put it over it and you and so it's like like kind of wes anderson movie kind of a style more like a tent like you're not like today's camping it's not high ceilings it's very like it's basically just an upside down v on the ground exactly with some like string hanging there and here and whatever the fuck got it so all right they go to sleep the next morning at about 11 a.m a hiker comes upon the teens campsite oh this poor hiker i know well actually there's i of course looked in the my favorite murder email to see if anyone had sent us anything about it and one woman sent us an email a murderino and she was like the truth about this is my fucking aunt my two aunts actually found the bodies but it like all this shit happens and this guy gets credit for it so oh no but it's like they don't she was like they don't really need the credit yeah credit is an odd word right yeah so this guy comes across the tent and he sees that it's collapsed it's bloody and ripped up and upon closer investigation he realizes that all four teens are tangled in the tent and one of the teens is laying on top of it bloody he fucking takes off calls the police they come and they there they find the tangled in the tent the dead and bloodied bodies of Myla, Anja, and Seppo. So the two girls and one of the boys. And on top of the tent uh, is the badly injured body of Nils. He's unconscious, so oh. he's still alive. Wow. Investigators surmise that while the teens were sleeping in the tent, the two boys on the outside, the girls on the inside, um, they. Well, had, that's sweet and I innocent. I know. It it sounds innocent to me. Like, yeah, they had been attacked by someone outside of the tent with a knife and a blunt object. So the killer had apparently like first cut the ties. So the tent collapsed. So the kids are probably like confused and then just starts fucking blindly hitting and stabbing at the people in the tent. So Mm -hmm. who knows if he even knew who was inside of those tents? Wow. So, uh, 
then um, through the fabric, Nils, who's the only survivor, somehow managed to like kind of start to come out of it. But um, he sustained, he survives, sustained, but he sustained a concussion, fractures to the jaw and facial bones and bruises to the face, but he lived. But he was unconscious that whole time. Uh, so it must have been kind of bad, right? Yes. So he, his girlfriend uh, had received the worst of the attack, Mila. She um, was found undressed from the waist down, but they don't know if she, like she had gone to bed that way mm-hmm. or if that had happened later. They could never figure that out. Right. Um, and she had been stabbed multiple times after her death. So it was kind of overkill for her, although the other two who were dead had only received, you know, what they needed to be killed which like who the fuck knows for sure right but it's just it, it's obvious to the police that one person got attacked more right yeah right but then again it's like well maybe she was on like closer to the person who was doing the hitting and stabbing yeah but then when you add in the but her boyfriend is survived even uh-huh. though he's injured that's bad and her pants are gone yeah that's bad too bad 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 okay so before the teens had been found that morning at 11 at 6 a.m there were some boys and they were out bird watching they went towards the tent because they saw the motorcycles that the boy that the teenage boys had driven up in and they saw the collapsed tent and they saw a, ma- a blonde man walking away from it but I don't think they realized anything was wrong so they just kept moving but later told people the police about that and they gave a description of the killer mm. um, so while Nils is transported to the hospital for treatment investigators call upon the fucking town to come help find the murder weapons and oh. other items that have been taken from the scene. Oh, no. Crowdsourcing? Yeah. Oh. So this fucking crime scene and surrounding area gets motherfucking trampled. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, That's how they used to like to do it. Yeah. They say, can we get an, an, more boots over here, please? Can yeah. we get the Texas cowboy boots well, and in I, here? It's the funny argument of like when people are like, what is this true crime trend or whatever? It's like, are you kidding me? Read yeah. any of these stories. <laughs> the town always shows up and tries to grab shit. Totally. And take it home like since set the 1500s yeah. it's like a human instinct to go to the worst this is a brick place. from the fucking hovel that got that fucking so-and-so was murdered in jesus <gasps> <laughs> the oldest murder he was she, yeah shit okay so jesus was murdered by your sins we can talk about it after this let's edit that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh da, 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 da. Okay, wait, hold on. So hundreds of people scouring the area, uh, but they can't find the murder weapon. And it's murder weapons are never found. And they just fucking contaminate the whole crime scene. The killer had taken several items from the campsite, which detectives like couldn't really put together and figure out like why. So they took the keys to the victim's motorcycles, but they left the motorcycles behind. Mm. And then there were tracks of blood that show that the killer was wearing, had was wearing Nils shoes. The kid who survived was wearing his shoes when he committed and left the murder scene. But the shoes were discovered partially hidden a a little over 500 yards from the murder site, along with some of the other stolen clothes. Um, but some stuff was completely gone, like Seppo's leather jacket. So to me, it almost sounds like the killer grabbed a fucking bunch of shit and like wandered off, tried some stuff on later, left some stuff behind. Yeah. You know, kept what he wanted. Or if we're still playing in the realm of like Nils might be. Yeah. Then he set it up. He did it, then realized 
all that would be recognizable, like right. shoe prints and stuff. Right. And then tried to go hide his shoes. And- yeah. Or like, uh, yeah, there's all these possibilities. And it's also hard because a lot of these articles are written in Finnish. So the story is like there's... You don't speak? No. What? I, I, yeah. Oh. I know. I'm embarrassed. I, isn't... Didn't people, when we were in Scandinavia, tell us that Finnish is like the hardest yes, language? that they don't even understand it sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so cool. I know. Uh, so based on the description of the boys who were bird watching, as well as, so Nils then gets put, he can't remember anything, so he gets put under hypnosis. Well, um, And he uh, tells the the detectives all this information and a creepy sketch is drawn of the potential killer. Okay, so here's some creepy sketches. You can see them on our Instagram account or my, our Twitter account. No, yeah. no. He just looks, what does he look like? Uh, uh, well, the eyes are too big. That, yeah. that looks like... Okay, but just... It looks like someone has... Um, it looks like when people mess around with their selfies and oh. give themselves oversized eyes. And like a weird kind of pug nose, big lips. Yes. It's weird. Oh, well, and also it's a very... Sh- the um, face is all scrunched in the middle of the head. Yes. So and it's big features, but then the face itself is small and the head is big. Yeah. And he, so he's this blonde man. Okay, so they give him this sketch... Um, then the funeral for the teens happens, right? And, uh, police later look at the photos of the crowds at the, at the funeral, because there were hundreds of people there because it was this small town and everyone came to the funeral. And they notice an unidentified man in the crowd who looks almost exactly like the sketch. Are you going to show me a picture of it? Are you ready to be more creeped out than you've ever been in your life? Okay, hold on. More than Beast of Jersey Mask? Yes. So remember, Shit. just remember that uh, sketch you just described I and do. how it doesn't look like a real person. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, look at that. Oh, no. It looks like a racer head. Yeah. It, a racer head it, in the middle of the crowd. It looks like they took that horrible drawing and then made it into a person's face. Yes. It doesn't look like it's a person's face and... It just doesn't look real. I'm like reaching for the phone from Stephen, like, give it back because it is, it looks like something's wrong with this person's face. It looks like, like, you know, oh, you know what it looks like? You know when that woman did that painting over the, 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 the like yep. antique yes. scrolls and it just looked, didn't look like, it looked like a cartoon face all of a sudden? Yes. That's it's, what it looks like. Yes. It's, and it's in a sea of normal faces too. So that's where it also, but it also looks like, I mean, we could just keep on doing this, but there's, there's an aspect to it that has a kind of like, um, what's that fucking guy? What's the director? What's Edward Scissorhands director? Oh, Tim Burton. It's a Tim Burton cartoon character feel like real dark circles yeah. under the eyes and the eyes are big and the, the cheekbones blonde, are like big. really white blonde hair, but I guess it's fucking Finland. So it's not that weird. Okay. okay. We'll get back to I wanna, this. I just want to keep talking about it. it. Cause you know what it kind of looks like? It looks like he's wearing a mask. Yeah. It's very fucking creepy. It looks like a mask. So. Then, uh, but nobody knows who this, that person is. They couldn't identify him. And, um, let's see. All right. So here are the suspects. Well, there's a list. The owner of the mask shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put him way up at the top. My nightmares. Okay. So Carl <laughs> Vladimir Gilstrom, known by the nickname as Kiosk Man, because he owns a kiosk at the camp, the campsite, which I think just means you buy 
shit there. Oh, right. Food, maybe. Sure. Um, but he's like a notoriously fucking asshole. Hates campers where it's like, get another job then, dude. Eh, people like to be unhappy. That's true. He <laughs> even sometimes will throw rocks at passing children. <laughs> he's just a fucking <laughs> grumpy asshole. <laughs> you can't do that. I know. 1960, you can you can do anything you, you want. Can huck, in Finland, you can huck a rock at a child. <laughs> Shithead camper. Yeah. Relatives, so relatives tell authorities that Carl, uh, a few days after the murder, filled in the well on his property. Uh-oh. And so police are like, maybe the murder weapons are there and like the shit that he stole. So police search his property, um, but they're like, we didn't find anything incriminating, but they didn't dig up the well. Oh, that's the one place it would be in. <laughs> I think that they must have been like, well, let's go see what we can find. And then based on that, we don't think we need to dig up the well. Because also his wife gave him an alibi and said, I was with him all night. We, which were, we, down all... It. we were down in that well. <laughs> <laughs> she was gave the alibi to the well, not to him. <laughs> I was with that well all night. She's like, don't you go, don't you look at that well. Don't you talk to that well. But here's the thing. There's no reason to fill in a well, nope. to fill in a well, that's like saying, we'll never need water again. Yeah. People build, you put it like a cistern lid on the top of a well so people don't fall in. Sure. But you don't fucking fill it in like, sorry, we're not interested in water from the ground anymore. That's a good point. And like, yeah. All right. So uh, his wife's like, nope, totally with me, which we all know, like, fucking don't trust alibis from like, moms and girlfriends and fucking boyfriends and people yeah people who have a reason to lie yeah or have been threatened personally by the person who they're lying for yeah Ugh. so years later he supposedly is shit-faced and tells his neighbor quote i killed them <gasps> which could mean anything <sighs> true and then um well on her deathbed his wife was like fyi fucking totally lied for him because he oh. threatened to kill me if I said oh, if shit. I didn't give him an alibi he said he would kill me of course of course um, and but like then it couldn't be completely verified she had said it to a friend he said that to the neighbor while I was drunk and then in 1969 he uh, kills himself reportedly by drowning in Lake Bodum oh which is like fucking creepy yeah and thematic and weird. Yeah. Also, FYI, we don't say committing suicide anymore. I read about that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I say the right term. Yes. Um, so the morning. Okay. Then here's another dude. <laughs> this dude, I fucking think did it. Oh. But everyone in fucking Finland thinks someone else did it. Okay. So this dude, the more like this person, oh, I'll list, let you tell me okay. more than well guy, but well, I mean, well's, uh, yeah. He's a good one. They're yeah. all good is okay. the problem. Yeah. So the morning after the murders, this fucking dude named Hans Assman. <laughs> one S or two? A-S-S-M-A-N-N. -S oh, come on. I swear to Finland. God. Aspen. Your language isn't that hard to learn well, after all. He's German. <laughs> so oh. he, this dude, Hans. He's really into legs. <laughs> he's, he's an ass man. He's an ass man. He goes into Stephen don't laugh don't Steven? be immature oh Stop. no Stephen's whole head is red Stephen's just bright red Stephen Stephen don't be immature this is a serious subject 
It's it's tension. We're laughing from the tension. <laughs> he goes to the Helsinki Surgical Hospital and he's fucking disheveled. He has black under his fingernails and his clothes are covered in red stains. Uh-oh. And his behavior is super fucking sketchy and weird. The doctors and nurses all say he lies to them about what he, why he looks the way he looks. And when they're like, question him further, he fucking pretends to be unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Goodbye. Like just, just close tilt his eyes. His head like, to the side. Did, where were you last night? Good night. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm unconscious. Oh, Aspen, wake up. I'm an Aspen. Um, and he's aggressive and nervous other times. So he's a fucking sketchballs. And <laughs> it turns out, so he's from Germany. It was said to he he maybe started the rumor or it's true. It's hard to tell. He served as a guard in none other than Auschwitz. No, so he's a fucking. We hate this guy. Yeah, serves at a serves <laughs> none as, other than Auschwitz. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that might need to be the title. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the one. You know what I mean? It's exactly. Like, it's not like you know fucking Birkin uh, Birkin out. It's like the fucking top of the line. He's not yeah. to say that one is worse. You know, Jesus. Not Jesus. Cut all of this out. If no, no, no. If if you're going to name a concentration right. camp, Auschwitz is the one everybody's heard of. None other than They're none other than and yeah, all the other ones. There were so fucking many. Yeah, so he is a guard at Auschwitz, but supposedly he became romantic. He fell in love with a Jewish girl, which is like, honey, that's not how it works. I mean. Yeah, then you sh- you okay, go no, ahead. It's really problematic. <laughs> I was going to I was going to give ass man some advice, yep. but it's I think we're past that. So he is they're like fuck you and send him to the front lines. Oh, where he gets captured by Soviets and recruited to be a KGB spy. Whoa. So this guy's like just topping the fucking lo- top of the line piece of shit. And just having tons of bad experiences yeah. also. Yeah. I think that's it like went from well, he was okay probably as a Nazi. They were the ones like, in power, and yeah. then it's like suddenly he's in he's in a bad place. Yeah. So so his clothing matches the description of the Lake Voda murderer, and he like w- like a couple days after the after watching the news about what happened, cuts his blonde hair short. Oh, uh oh. He lived just a short distance from the lake, and at the time of the at the time, but he claimed to have. A, a solid alibi also. So the police only had a brief meeting with Assman and found little since they didn't want to cross-examine the doctors. So like they kind of didn't look into him and a lot of people think it's because of the KGB connection that they didn't go after him to... Too scary. Yeah. It makes sense. So they didn't cross-examine the doctors. They didn't take his stained clothing in for examination to even see if it was fucking paint or whatever. You know, maybe... It was just red stained clothing and that's all they knew. Yep. And in spite of the fact that the doctors and attendants were certain that it was blood. And in fact, a doctor, uh, Jorma Paolo, at the hospital, um, he was one of the doctors to initially examine Aspen. He goes on to write three books about Aspen. He became obsessed with Aspen. I bet. And um, he, a former detective... (laughs) Can I say one joke? Yeah. Can we just put up, just square out a little time so that I can say, he also went on to write the famous song, Baby Got Back. (laughs) That was not worth it. (laughs) Steven, make me funny. Are you proud of yourself? (laughs) No, it feels so bad. It feels terrible. (laughs) So former detective Maddie... Wait, Steven liked it. Steven did. (laughs) Uh... Okay, former detective Maddie Pallaro 
even went so far as to connect him with five other unsolved murders. Fucks! Including Kailiki Sari's murder in Isojoki. Got that wrong. And the Tulahiti double murders in Hainavesi. God, I don't know. (laughs) A couple other murders. We're going to find out from from our friends over in Scandinavia. They're going to say, this is how you say it, and it's going to be illegible. It's going to be unreadable, so it's not going to help. No, that's not true, because they, A, speak great English, and then B, they can do a phonetic spell. You're right. Where they're like, it's da-da-da. We've gotten a couple good ones of those. That's true, you're right. I'm sorry. Appalachia, baby. That's right. So, um, and, and one of those murders took place 10 months prior to the Lake Boda murders, <gasps> so he thinks this guy's like a fucking serial killer. Also, if he was a Nazi guard, yeah. he has experienced and participated in things that are so beyond yeah. monstrous and animalistic that... He there's a chance that either it's a kind of a PTSD like this is a, a thing psychosis. I need to keep doing. Yeah, I mean like he had a taste for it and he was one of those people. Like there's it makes so much sense. Yeah, you don't just like participate in the the complete destruction and annihilation of these mm-hmm. people and then walk and away and have like, power over every, all of them too. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yes, and, and then get over it. Yeah, and then just go like oh I'm gonna live by lake now and everything's <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, and he also had, okay, and now let me show you his photo. Uh oh. Remember that, keep in mind those two other ones I just showed you. I'll never fucking forget them. Well, get ready for fucking exhibit C. (laughs) Okay, because here we go. Ready? Yeah. No! It's identical. He looks like a, it looks like him. Yes, it certainly does. Right? It's almost like the human version exactly. of that face, and that the guy at the funeral was like a crazy Halloween version of that totally. face. Totally. Show Steven. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> it's him. I mean, it looks like him. I think he did it. Those eyes. Wow. Those eyes. That's such a disturbing face. Yeah. He almost looks like Udo Kier, you know, that actor, the character actor that always plays like he has light blue eyes and silver hair, and he always kind of just plays the creepy foreign guy mm-hmm. that's judging something. <laughs> Like a Oof. like a talent contest? <laughs> it could be. Um, okay. So. Da, 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 ba, 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 ba. Okay, there's another guy who confesses. Like, people just keep confessing. Whatever. I don't think this guy has anything to do with it. Cut to late March 2004. Oh. 44 years after the murder, the case is reopened and the bloodstains are analyzed again, which leads Finnish police to declare that the case has been solved based on new evidence and including the sudden testimony out of nowhere of a woman claiming to have been camping nearby that day. Whoa. But it's like new. She's like, oh, yeah, I, was, I forgot to tell you guys. I was there that day. Come on. Where was she? Yeah. Why didn't she speak up? You kn- that's when they arrest none other than Nils Gustafsson <gasps> for the murder of his friends and girlfriend. No. Yes. He uh, had gone on to live a relatively normal life. He raised a family, retired from a long career as a school bus driver, and he's fucking arrested. No. According to the official statement, Nils, they think Nils erupted in jealous anger over his feelings over his girlfriend at the time, Bjorkland. They believe that he had gotten into a scuffle with his friend, the other dude, and that's how he sustained his injuries. So it wasn't even like he he did them to his, himself. To make it look like he was also attacked. Right. Like, yeah. they got into a fight, then he did that. So, yeah, their proof was that Milo was the main target. So, that was his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and 
they say that Nils's injuries were superficial and self-inflicted also. Oh. So like a little of both, I guess. Yeah. Which, okay. So I have a hard pro- time with because then like, why would he lay there till 11 o'clock and that, you know, if it happened at 6 a.m. And he would, why would he lay there tell, pretending to be unconscious until 11? Wouldn't he get up and go find someone and be like, oh, we were attacked and I'm. I mean, that would make more sense, but maybe he, I mean, who kn- uh, who knows? He's, he's crazy enough to do it in the first place, but yeah. maybe he just like laid there and was just like, okay, this is going to be the best, most realistic way for me to get away with this. Yeah, but what if he, what if it happened at, when the pe- people saw a man walking away at 6 a.m.? That's fucking five hours. But maybe he was like, if he, he maybe he wasn't laying there the entire time. Oh, maybe yeah. he was like, he went and hit his shoes and he did this and he fucked around or whatever. And then, then maybe heard a car, heard yeah. someone and then ran over and acted like he'd been laying there. Okay. So the trial starts on August, in August of 2005. The new witness who had only come forward a year prior for a documentary interview, which is like, oh, honey. Where were you? You were nowhere. She claims that the two teen boys had entered her tent and that Nils had been behaving aggressively with her that night. Huh. Which I don't believe. The defense argued that the murders were a work of one or more outsiders and that Nils would have been incapable of killing three people given the extent of his injuries. Because, like, you've got a fucking fractured jaw. You're not like... Oof. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Unless you're in a full rage. Yeah. And you're in shock and you can't feel your injuries. Yeah. Which a lot of people sure. have talked about having happen. Well, guess what? Oh. Nils gets fucking convicted. Oh. Um, but after serving one year, it was granted in October 2005, the district court found Nils Gustafsson not guilty of all charges against him. They were like, no, no, that, that, that shouldn't have happened. Wow. Yeah. And, um, he's Too a, circumstantial. I think, yeah. Okay. So on his acquittal, the state of Finland pays him 44,000 euro wow. for mental suffering caused by the long, uh, time in jail that he, he spent. Um, but he, people still think he's guilty there, of course. And so I, here's what I think fucking happened. Remember that? Remember in, um, Oregon, our, our live show, I did the, um, case. Yes. Of those people camping and the man that looked like a cowboy. Yeah. And, and the girl wrote the book. Okay. So it's the story of Terry Gents. G-A-E-N-Z. The book's called Strange Piece of Paradise. It's fucking great. But so she was camping with a, a girlfriend of hers and this fucking what she thinks happened. She has to solve the case on her own is fucking some dude in a crazy, you know, had just got dumped by his girlfriend somewhere else, had seen earlier and, you know, knew that there were two girls camping alone and just went and took it out on them yeah. and fucking attacked them in this kind of the same manner, like while they were in the tent. Uh, and he was in the outside. And so some fucking crazy person who may, maybe they like cut him off earlier on the road or maybe they like yelled something at him. They're these teenagers, you yeah. know? Yes. And Nils doesn't remember because he got a fucking concussion and this guy just went crazy. I feel like, I feel like attacking from the outside of the tent while you can't even see where the people are inside is just not about anything but rage. Yeah. It's not personal. It's not about one person in the, in the tent it's just you just start swinging yeah you're just trying to inflict pain and yeah. horror on people and then the thing about like there's missing shoes he tries to steal these shoes he steals a jacket is like is this person on the run already and is trying to get fucking clothing that looks you know 
that he can use as a disguise. Yeah. Or is he, or is he just kind of out on his own and doesn't have a lot of money and he's like, Drifter I need this and I, but then why would he, oh, if you took that motorcycle, yeah, you'd get caught with a motorcycle and that'd be like, right. Open and shut. Right. Maybe but he doesn't know how to drive a motorcycle. Maybe he's mm. too small. It's a baby. He's a tiny baby. Um, <laughs> so they, when they tested the blood on the shirts, it was Nils's blood, and that's what made them go. He did it. When, when they tested when they the shoes, they tested his shoes. I can't tell exactly, but they did test his shoes, and all three of the murder victims' blood were on his shoes, except for his. Oh, which could be explained in a number of different ways, right? But there was also no supposedly no other blood type at the scene oh but i mean there's a you know if that's all you have is circumstantial evidence that's not enough right well yeah and this especially in this situation where it's there seem to be a million possibilities right and you have fucking evidence that i think it was maybe even another person saw someone a blonde person leaving the fucking scene yeah there's they put another person there yeah. And those, the face of the guy at the funeral. I mean, dude, if I was a cop, I'd just be like, we just need to figure out a way to get this guy up the street. <laughs> yeah. I don't even he know who looks, he is. It looks like the thing uh-huh. has a cousin who's a surfer. And he's an ass man. And he is an ass man from Finland. Yeah. From Germany. From Germany living in Finland. That's visiting right. Finland. From Russia. B- spent some time in Russia after v- college. Via Russia and the Vis a vis KGB. Putin. <laughs> Karen solved it. It's Putin. Um, oh, Putin. Jesus. Um, and that's the Lake Boda murders. Fuck. So they'll probably never be solved to like, this day. God. Yeah. And can you believe they took him after all that time? He, you know, after going through that, and they took him to fucking court and yeah. convicted him and then recanted. Yeah. I want to know more about the woman who got interviewed for the documentary and what her deal is. I'm sure she's super normal. I bet she's regular. She just thinks things through. Yeah. God, that's fascinating. Yeah. Also, it does. I, as awful as that story is that you did the, the, um, sorry, the, the Portland. Terry Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That story is incredible. It's the book. It's incredible. It's like this woman is a fucking fighter and she goes to try to solve her own case, you know, 20 fucking years after it happened. Yeah. It's it's inc- it's a really great book. I listened to it on tape and I or Her audio. Name's Terry Jens J E N T Z and I it's strange piece of paradise. I highly recommend the audiobook. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great story yeah. when you told it. Wow. Thanks. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Good Crazy, one. right? Yeah. Um cool. Wow. Guys, we did it. We did it. We got through this. It's only been 45 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a record for us. It really is. We learned. We loved. We levitated. We... We've been levitating this whole time. We have been levitating, and uh, you can too if you just join the fan cult. <laughs> <laughs> Magical power! Um, do you promise. have a fucking hooray for this week? I do. Let, uh, us, let us hear it. So it turns out, and and murderinos do more good shit uh, in the world of that. Murderinos doing good stuff. They keep doing it. They just keep doing it. Um, so this woman named Charlotte emailed us to let us know that it, they, uh, that 
So there was a fundraiser started for races, R-A-I-C-E-S. Um, and so races, R-A-I-C-E-S, I hope I'm fucking saying that right, is the largest immigration legal services provider in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this woman named Charlotte and this guy named Dave started a fundraiser on Facebook called Reunite an Immigrant Parent with Their Child. Yes. And it's raising money to do just that, which yes. is fucking incredible. And I mean... I'm, this is this is this, these stories were why I donated money in my mother's name is because yeah. it was just making me heartbroken and it still is. They were going to try to raise ten million, but they've raised twenty million. The, well, their first ra- are you talking about races? Or are you talking about uh, the murderinos? This is a fundraiser. It's not murderino specific, but it turns out that Charlotte emailed us to let us know that they're murderinos. Oh, uh, right. But I'm saying you don't mean races. You mean these individuals. Yes. Okay. Because races, when they put their thing up, their goal as a, as that nonprofit, Mm -hmm. the day that that story broke, when they put it up, they were like, we hope to raise $5,000 and they raised like several million. Yeah. Like they're, they're getting so many donations that they're, they had just like set up a whole other system of like how they're going to like actually put this money out. And it's such an amazing beautiful response yeah. to such a disgusting fucking frightening thing that's happening where they're actually interesting that we're talking about concentration camps yeah. that's what these fucking are yeah that's what the government is setting up a hundred percent yeah um and so the we're, these are the helpers you know and they're taking action and they i mean how much have they raised i think that so i don't i can't <clears throat> i think it's 20 million in 12 days <laughs> And so I, you can go to reunite an immigrant parent with their child fundraiser for races by Charlotte and Dave. It's on Facebook. I will donate as well. Um, or, you know, donate to, uh, wherever you can that makes you feel good and makes you feel like you, you know, your money's going to a good place. Yep. Even if it's five fucking dollars, it's, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, do that. And then my fucking hurry for this week will be, I just, I went to therapy this morning. Um, it was an especially good, uh, sesh with my therapist because I had been out of town for a week. Uh-huh. That's always good, but it was making me, I get these days I'm very, very philosophical in therapy uh-huh. because I've been in it for so long. Yeah. And I will say this, you know, there's lots of people who tell us I started therapy because you guys talk about it. And I want to say this to people who start and maybe they're feeling like p- plateau type of feelings like, Oh, I've been in therapy for X number of years and I, it, I'm not getting what I thought I would get or yeah. something. Um, don't put some kind of weird expectation time limit on your mm. therapy. Mm-hmm. Go to therapy and show up every week trying to learn something about yourself. I swear to God, if you can just stay in it. Like when I first went to therapy, I said to my therapist, I just need to know how to not say things I'm that I don't want to say out loud mm. it at work so that people don't hate me and I don't hate everybody. Yeah. It was real basic. And yeah. I thought she was just going to give me some tips and tricks and I'd be out of there. That you don't do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just give me what do normal people do and teach me that. And yeah. then I'm going to be out of here. Is there, do I put a jelly button in a jar every time I fucking <laughs> rub jelly button? on the wrist? Did I say jelly button? You said a jelly button, but and I don't see a can of wine I am anywhere not near drinking you. today. <laughs> oh, this is all me. I can never blame it on fucking booze. Jelly button. Jelly, jelly button. Yeah, no, it's, I guess I, my point is like something, she was saying something about, um, that we're trying to, um, 
take off the armor of ego. That's what we were talking about today and how hard it is because it's about vulnerability. But it's taken me 13 years to be in a discussion where we're talking about taking (laughs) off the armor of ego because for a long time, I wanted to talk about how I don't have any problems, but (laughs) what's everybody else going to do and how are we going to trick everybody else into doing what I want? And I just will say, and there were times where like, when I went through, when I left my ex and moved to New York, I stopped calling my therapist and she would call me like every Mm. two to three weeks and be like, can we talk about why you don't want to talk to me? And I was just like, I can't talk to anybody. You're allowed to do that and still go back to therapy. The same therapist too. Yeah. They're not mad at you. If you want to switch, if you want to say they're mad at you, whatever. But like, I went back and she was like, I want to talk about why you didn't trust me to even. And I said, can we just not talk about that now? And then we sidelined it for three years and then we went back to it later. But I, I'm so thankful that I have this person that keeps me honest Mm -hmm. that through like kind of dark times is the one that goes, yeah, but can I remind you? And that basically is like, that's all well and good you know, your complaints and your Your whatever you want to do that you're trying to get away with. But yeah. But how about we talk about, Dis- disarming the ego right, the real reason that we all have problems is because yeah. we're so scared to be vulnerable or so scared to be ourselves and we're so scared to be in the moment or we become these people because of trauma past trauma yep. or the way we were raised and all this crazy shit which is valid yeah and our reactions about our trauma from the past are valid it's the way our brains get trained to work because of what happened to us but it doesn't mean that we have to live in it. It doesn't mean that we have to like continue to do it. Totally. We can retrain ourselves and we can, we can just try something new. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. It just seemed for so long. I just didn't have any hope for myself for so long. Cause it was like, nah, I'm just this way. And I'm kind of like this. And yeah. it's, let's I'm just stuck have it in it. Like, it's way. never going to change. It's too much work to change. Yeah. I don't want to unpack this fucking painful shit. Right. And that's all fine. But that's the fear telling yeah. you. Don't leave the house. It's not worth trying. Yeah. You know, whatever. So I don't know. I love it. Don't, it's not all, it's not easy, but it's so good for you. Yeah. Let's say again, it's psychology today on their website it has a really great, uh, therapy, therapist and psychologist and psychiatrist, um, directory. Yep. You just put your zip code in. A lot of them have photos. So you kind of like that woman has a kind face. I, it sure reminds me of my elementary school too. Like that's kind of how I found mine. Same here. Yeah. Exactly so the same. I, I found a couple therapists on, on psychology today yeah website, so and you get out. to shop until you find the one that that's you right. want to tell the worst possible thing you could tell that's to. right shop around make it work for you but keep on putting in the work yeah good job we're proud of you and we're, we're very proud of you very happy to be in this fucking community this podcast has changed our lives in so many ways but more than anything it just makes us feel armed with so many incredible people and so many badasses and so many I don't know. No, you're right. It's like a circuit. It's whatever we're doing for you, you're also doing for us. It really, it's pretty amazing. And uh, we feel lucky and reach out to people if you're feeling stressed out. And if you need help lately, it makes sense that you need help lately. Uh We all do. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. (gasps) Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah. Good boy.